Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to MBR, or as we like to call it around here, Nothing But Rants, the show where I find topics that I'm oddly passionate about, and I pontificate upon them. These are not hot takes, but rather takes that I'm hot about. Snakes in the grass. I need to cut that shit. Y'all know who that's from? Mm-mm. Probably don't. That's Waka Flocka, Riverdale's finest. Um, but nonetheless, I, if you are new around here, we got a lot of new people around here. Um, and I am thankful for that. We got a, not, a lot of new people joining in on the network and finding out what this place is all about. But for those of you that have been around for a while, and I mean a long time, the OGs of the OGs, the dating back to the 2019s of the world, the 2020s of the world, if you've been around here for a long time, you understand that what we had today was a little bit of something we call, I don't know, I told you so moment, and I told you so a long time ago. I told you a long time ago that there were going to be very, very evil people with regards to this name, image, and likeness. In fact, when it first got enacted, do you remember what my sentiment was? I've always been a proponent of players getting paid. In fact, I was the one that said they've always been being paid, right? If you remember, one of my favorite lines was, the game's always been crooked. You, ain't, you just ain't been woke. You just didn't know. You just didn't know that it was happening. People have been out here paying players since the 1920s. It's been happening around college football forever. We've been a proponent of that. That's not been the problem. But I've also, I also vividly remember reminding you that this wasn't always going to be all sunshines and rainbows when it came out, that players were able to finally be able to make money. Wherever there is a pot of gold, there is always a slimy little leprechaun at the end of it. Okay, there's always a slimy little leprechaun waiting to get his cut right there next to it. And boy, boy, did we get reintroduced to a pretty slimy leprechaun today. Um, I shouldn't actually call Michael Swimmer, the CEO and, and the creator of Big League Advantages, a slimy dude. He's no more slimy than loan sharks. He's no more slimy than used car salesmen. He's no more slimy than the rest of the businesses and the rest of the business owners and operators that popped up in hopes of capitalizing on name, image, and likeness, and in hopes of capitalizing on the ignorance of young, talented men and women, okay? He is no more slimy than the rest of these people that I forewarned you were going to be around in the age of college football now that players are able to be paid. For those of you who don't know, Michael Schlimmer is a former minor league baseball player who studied finance in college. Once his baseball career ended, he saw an opportunity to capitalize on the cash-stricken labor force that was the minor league baseball system. He claimed that he had saw how these young minor league baseball players had been going through life without cash and without operating expenses and going through life in, in a really, really porous circumstances as a labor force that was eventually one day hopefully going to make millions of dollars. So here was his proposition. Here's how his company works, okay? He approaches young baseball player. Usually, based off the stats and the history of his business, that young baseball player is of foreign descent, okay? They are a person who is not necessarily uh, financially wise at their age and at their stance and in their point in life, okay? These are baseball players who are very cash poor, okay, and in need of cash. Swimmer's company, company rather, then offers them cash with points tied to their future earnings based on the down payment. These are now called BLAs. This is what is known. It's a term. It is a BLA. It is a big league advancement. Okay, that's basically what the company is called. The company is called Big League Advantage. Well, they are giving players in the minor league systems big league advancements. I am telling you, I give you X amount of dollars. Okay, and it literally was a direct flat rate. I give you $50,000 in cash right now up front for 1% of your future gross earnings. I give you 100 grand, you give me 2%, and yada, and on so forth and so forth, right? I give you 10%, I give you half a million dollars right now. I give you half a million dollars, you give me 10% of your future net earnings, okay? Swimmers rule and their company also had a rule that if you didn't make the big leagues, that forward advancement, that cash advancement would be just that. It would just be a cash advancement that came with no ties. So when I tell you that part, 
you as a listener might be saying, well, oh, this is all good news. This guy's basically just giving these guys money for free and in hopes it's a gamble, right? He's taking a risk, okay? And until you find out that he has an entire metrics scouting team that is set there hoping to find players like Fernando Tatis, who they now have $27 million owed to them from one contract that Fernando Tatis signed all because they gave him 150 grand five years ago when he was riding buses uh, in AA. So what's that sound like to you? Or what does, it, what, what does this sound like to you? It sounds like a, a, a businessman found a labor pool that was extremely cash poor and cash stricken, but yet eventually was going to have access to millions and millions of dollars via their new contracts. What does that sound like to you? That sounds exactly like college football. College football has this labor force, no, not, not unlike the minor league system, where these extremely talented individuals have the ability to make massive amounts of money in three years, four years, five years. But in between that time, they don't have a lot of cash. So what can we do as people who do have a lot of cash? We can go flaunt that cash in front of these people and say, hey, We'll give it to you now. Just give us a little bit back in the end. It's very, very dangerous. Very, very dangerous. And it was only a matter of time before BLA started making their way into college football once name, image, and likeness was enacted. Once this labor pool that had forever been cash poor was opened up to the free market, these types of snakes were just waiting in the grass. They were just waiting. So Jervon Dexter, the second round draft pick out of Florida, has now filed a lawsuit against BLA for unknowingly signing a contract that gives BLA 15% of his gross earnings for 25 years. For 25 years, Jervon, that's including his retirement. For 25 years, every single dollar that the NFL gives to Jervon Dexter before the IRS takes their portion, BLA is taking 15 cents on that dollar. Then the IRS is taking 35 cents on that dollar. Now, 50, 50 cents of that dollar is automatically gone off rip before we ever see it. Before we ever see it. Jervon Dexter signed a, a contract at the University of Florida that will doom him. It will doom him. Okay, and a lot of people were in my mentions today and say, hey, but Brooks, Nolan Smith got caught up in this as well. Nolan Smith got caught up in this. He signed a contract with BLA. And I would tell you that Nolan Smith's lawyer was sitting right next to him. Nolan Smith settled for a contract that was ranging anywhere from one to nine percent. And oh, by the way, Nolan Smith signed that contract recently after tearing a peck that cost him the rest of his senior year and potentially some higher evaluation in his draft stock. You know what Nolan Smith did? Nolan Smith signed an insurance policy. That's what he did. Jervon Dexter signed a death wish, okay, for, for his financial future, okay, with regards to his contracts. Those are the two differences between those two things. And the only difference was one was brokered with full and transparency, full honesty and transparency that was required, I would presume, by the University of Georgia. I'm not throwing any shade towards Florida because we found today a statute in their state law that might actually protect Jervon Dexter from this. Okay, so kudos to Florida, their NIL statutes, because there was one final clause that basically said the length of any NIL contract signed during your time at the University of Georgia cannot transpire past your eligibility length. So they protected Jervon Dexter, it sounds like. It sounds like he might actually have an out here. So um, it's just crazy. These BLAs are not uh, new to the sporting world. Like I said, they've been very, very well known uh, in, in, in the baseball world. Cole Wilcox, friend of the show, uh, obviously a, a graduate at the University of Georgia, told me this morning that there, one of his buddies, one of the best prospects in America, just signed one of these. And he's like 18 months from making it to the bigs because they're so cash stricken. Mm -hmm. They just don't have enough. And it sounds so easy to say, hey, here, look, here's half a million dollars. Cash, cash, here's an advancement. You will be rich tomorrow if you give me the future's money. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, they draw it up all nice and pretty in front of you. you know, like, oh, I'll give you money now, and I'm the only one that's taking any risk in this no. because I'm the one that I'm the only one really that could lose that all money. I just, 
That sucks for for Dexter, especially because like it's not even the fact that once your career is over, it's past that. It's yeah. way past that. That really sucks. That's a tough situation. It was crazy to me to see, um, you know, in in this reporting, I was reading these articles where in one paragraph they're talking about how this is a risk that they're taking, that this is no no unlike any other business, and then in the next paragraph they bragged about how they knew who for, they signed Fernando Tatis before he was ever even in the top 100 of baseball players in the world, in the minor leagues. So in one paragraph, they're like, hey, we're taking calculated risk. In the next paragraph, they're like, our quants are so far ahead of the game that we're stealing money. Because that's what they are, they're stealing, it's stealing mm-hmm. money. Um, now, I, I'm, I'm a capitalist. I'm, I'm, for those who don't know, I don't have a journalism degree. Okay, I have, a bit, I have a business management degree and I have a master's in business and my mind thinks like a business person. But it didn't think like a sleaze ball. It doesn't think like a sleaze ball at all. And this this is very sleazy behavior from this dude whose business was created out of knowing that these people were poor. That's what he knew. He knew that these people were poor and eventually they wouldn't be. So how do I get my cut on that? That's what Michael Schwimmer did. That's what this business is. When you've got guys like uh who, who's my man, the baseball agent? When you got baseball agents coming out here calling you a sleazeball, dog. You you some of the low lifes, the lowest of lifes in the world. If you got Scott Boris, if Scott Boris is out here holier than thou and you, <laughs> boy, you some dog shit. <laughs> you some dog shit. I'm telling you, bro. Scott Boris is a horrible, horrible human being. And if he's out here calling you the world's worst, you're awful. Welcome into tonight's show. We got a great one for you. I got some of the best audio I've ever heard with regards to college football. <laughs> We're going to bring that to you. Uh, Caleb Williams, his daddy said apparently he ain't going to be entering the NFL draft. We're going to be talking about that. Uh, Billy Napier is already leading the push uh, and pushing narratives down there at Florida. We're going to talk about that. Also have a really, really strong stance on Billy Napier that I was talking to some folks at Florida today. We just don't know. Okay, we're going we're gonna to talk about it tonight, and I'm, I'm enjoying to do that. Hey, who wants to do the prize picks read? Hey, I got the last one, CJ. Will you want it? I'll do it again. Let's do I'll it. I'll go ahead and do it again. Lock it in. All right, before we get into tonight, the rest of tonight's show, got to show some love to our boys over at Prize Picks, guys. There's so much um, opportunity there over there. You got college football, week two's coming up. NFL starts tomorrow. You can also get in on the action there. If you're doing it, make sure you're using promo code Brooks, 100% deposit match. That means if you put $100 in, you get $100 right back that you can also use on those player props. So make sure you're doing that, showing love over there, and using promo code Brooks. Hey, as my man Jay Will said, if you're doing it, do it with us, baby. You know what I mean? Do it with us, promo code Brooks. I know Prize Picks be throwing that promo money out. I know a lot of people got some promos, uh, some names and all that good stuff. Hey, use the promo code Brooks, man. We, we, we love you if you do. Uh, nah, we got a great one for you. Dude, this Portland State audio is absolutely epic. What was the final score of this football game they lost? Final score was 81-7. to 81-7, to Oregon thumped up on Portland. An in-state school like that, you think you wouldn't pound them that hard. Um, but obviously you would expect an 81-7 to football game to lead to some kind of injuries. I mean, they weren't just beaten on the scoreboard. They were destroyed. They were physically beaten. And I got to be honest, this is some of the best sound I've ever heard. What is the uh, the the group, the radio show? I want to give proper credits. Do we have it? Can you read that? Here, I'll go over there to the board and read it. Give me one second. This audio comes from the bald-faced truth over on Twitter. The bald-faced truth. Play this audio for the folks, Jonathan, because this is some of the greatest shit I've ever heard. We're fine, uh, you know. Knock on wood, we had we had one guy get his ear ripped off. Um, they sewed what? it back on, what? and <laughs> and now they say he has a concussion, and he can, you know, so he's out. But I think he's fine. He's talking to me today, coach. He said, coach, he really got his ear, his ear like a Vander well, Holyfield. Not the whole ear, not the whole ear, but part he- partial ear detachment. Not I think the it was from when they he got his helmet knocked off, and I think his ear didn't come out so. of his helmet. Anyway, so they were sewing so. him up, and so they I guess that means you have a concussion. And, and again, <laughs> we're take we're making sure he's fine. I can't figure out what my favorite part of that is. Um, how he just willy nilly throws it in there. We had a guy his ear ripped off. Well, it's not the whole thing, you know. And apparently that's a concussion. That was that was one <laughs> that of my was favorite, my favorite that, yeah. part. Apparently that's a concussion. Yeah. Where you get your ear ripped off? That was my favorite part. Where he's like, so he has a concussion. Like after saying he got his ear ripped off, he's like, oh, and he has a concussion. So he's out. 
Uh, <laughs> it's like man's just went through the worst weekend of his life. He got his ear ripped off, partially detached. Partially detached. Partially detached ear. He got a concussion on top of that, and he had 81 points hung on his head. Like that's a tough weekend. <laughs> the the explanation of how it happened was classic as well. Apparently his ear got stuck in his helmet. I I put a, I put on and off a lot of helmets in my life. My ears never yeah, been I've, stuck. I've never heard of someone getting their ear ripped. I off. want it one more time. Can we hear that one yeah, more time? Yeah. It's just epic shit. Let's start it over. We're fine, uh, you know. Knock on wood. We had we had one guy get his ear ripped off. Um, they sewed what? it back on. What? And <laughs> and now they say he has a concussion, and he can you know. So he's out. But the I think he's fine. He's talking to me. What? Today, so it's yeah, that's cool. He really oh, got his ear, his ear like a Vander well, Holyfield. Not the whole ear, not the whole ear, but part <laughs> partial ear detachment. I think wow. it was from when they he got his helmet knocked off, and I think his ear didn't come out so. of his helmet. <laughs> I think his ear didn't come out of his helmet. Yeah, yeah my, favorite, my favorite part is when the guy just keeps going, what? 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 He starts like, laughing too, like, excuse yeah, me? Yeah, that's probably what he was saying because his ear got ripped off. Coach said it so casually too. Yeah. yeah, no, we're healthy. I mean, we had a guy get his ear ripped off. Like, that's every day at Portland State. What? Yeah, that's what he was saying. <laughs> that's wild. They just sewed it back on. Yeah, we had a guy get his ear ripped off. Great, great audio coming out of it. I mean, if you have to beat somebody by 81 points, you might as well rip an ear. <laughs> I guess so. You know what I mean? I'll never forget that game. He said apparently it's a concussion, so he'll be out this week. <laughs> I don't know how ripping your ear gives you a concussion. I don't know. It, I don't know if it does. I, I guess you just does. can't put ear ripped off in, on the injury report. Partial tear. Partial. Right ear yeah. lobe. <laughs> ear ripped off. He definitely got ripped down up, right? He definitely yeah, got that's ripped how from, I envision from, it. From, from lobe to mid-ear. That's how I envision it. Got to be. Yeah. Can you still hear if you lose your ear? Because it's just, it's just skin out here, right? Yeah, yeah it's, it's just like the actual much. mechanisms inside. You probably can't hear drum. as well because like, it doesn't capture extended. sound. Yeah. 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 We're doing human in anatomy in here now. Love it. Would you rather have co- – it's a good quote right here. Would you rather – or not a good quote. It's, it, it makes me wonder this question from Robert in the chat. Would you rather have just like a wicked case of cauliflower ear or just like have some nasty scar halfway up your ear because it got ripped off in a football game? Oh, dude, because it scar. got ripped off. Nasty scar. Yeah. Cauliflower ear actually hurts like shit. See, I know, but if you can give me one without the pain, I'm taking the cauliflower ear because it's like an instant don't fuck with me. If people see cauliflower ear with you, they ain't going to be messing with you. I, I know a kid who went to my high school. He won state championship in wrestling. He can't wear earbuds because huh. his cauliflower is so bad that you can't, like, fit him in. I bet he'd fuck you up, though. He's, like, 135. I bet he still got you. You know what I mean? Cauliflower ear ain't nothing to play with uh, from both ends. It ain't nothing to get. It ain't something you want, and it ain't nothing to play with from the other end. Uh, but, dude, love that Portland State audio. We might yeah. just hang that one in the Louvre. Hey, week, week two slate is loaded with non-conference matchups. Listen to all this. We got A&M at Miami, Nebraska at Colorado, obviously Texas and Bama, Notre Dame at NC State, Illinois at Kansas, Auburn at Cal for some random reason, Oregon at Texas Tech, Utah at Baylor, Arizona at Mississippi State. That right there, we'll stop right there. Arizona at Mississippi State, do you think that's the biggest culture shock of all these? Oh, yeah. Going from Tucson to Starkville. They ain't ready for it. Yeah, yeah. Gotta be. Yeah. I mean, I, I ain't never been to Tucson, but I've been to Starkville. And Bubba, ain't shit in Starkville. <laughs> what, was, what was the team that went to West Virginia a couple of years ago? That might be, I don't know. I can't remember. There was a there was a West Coast team that went to Virginia, West Virginia a couple of years ago. That would be a culture shock. Dude, but. I've, I've, I've been through West Virginia, okay? Oh, yeah, I've been there too. There ain't nothing more empty than Starkville, Mississippi. For a Power 5 school to be located there, it's absurd. And I don't mean to take no shots, but, yeah, that, that's yeah. a massive culture shot. Don't let Brandon shot. Walker get a hold of um, this. Iowa at Iowa State, that's obviously a good one. That's twice you've said that. Bro, I ain't worried about no smoke from Brandon Walker. He's walked in my mentions once and got absolutely dunked on. Bring your ass. I hope you do. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Wisconsin at Washington State, that's a good one. Oklahoma State at Arizona State. That dude's whole premise is making fan bases mad at him. I, I, I don't understand that one. Um, no, I'll smoke that clown at anything. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Bro, no, it bugs me. It bugs me that people get platforms just saying shit. That's all he does. His whole gig is to say stuff that makes people mad. Yeah. That's it. That's all he does. I'm with I you wish on that. people, I honestly wish people stopped watching. Um, 
No, let's, let's, let's call <laughs> predictions on one, two, three, four, and five football games. I think you're going to add a sixth here. Texas A&M and Miami. What do we think about this football game, man? I mean, last year, um, these two teams played last year? Yeah, no. they did. Yeah, yeah they did. They did. Mm-hmm. Texas A&M came out with the win. This was when Texas A&M had just lost App State, I believe. Correct. And it was kind of, mm-hmm. if Jimbo loses two in a row, he's done. Correct. Um, and Texas A&M came out with, a, like, a real ugly win, wasn't it? Yeah, it Strikes was, like, a 28-13 football game mm-hmm. last yeah. year. Um, but nonetheless, uh, how, well, how do we feel about this football game? Uh, Connor Weigman, is that how you pronounce yes. it? Connor Weigman. He was impressive in week one, like five touchdowns, no interceptions. I like that, seeing that from Texas A&M, seeing some life from the offense. Because the defense has always been relatively good. We've kind of known that. they got some dudes on the defensive side of the football. But the quarterback position and the um, the offense specifically has kind of been the question. But I liked what I saw from Texas A&M. And, but these are also just two programs that we're still kind of feeling out, not really sure what we're going to get from them in 2023. But I'm going to lean Texas A&M. I'm going to label this the shovel bowl because I think whoever loses this game, we start digging their grave. The shovel bowl. I I just don't know how Mario Cristobal can recover from a loss to this game. I don't know how Jimbo Fisher can recover in a loss in this game either. You know, we buried Dabo yesterday. I think whoever loses this game is pretty much on their last leg. I mean, Jimbo's kind of, he has a chance to really redeem himself this year. Same with Mario Cristobal. But I I think if you lose this game, you're off to a terrible start. And so, yeah, it's shovel bowl. Interesting to see the line movements. I'm looking at it right now. It's it's going to close at about uh, A&M minus four, maybe minus four and a half. It opened at A&M minus seven and a half. So whatever happened since March, April, May, uh, all the way into August, the, the odds books and the odds makers are favoring Miami or sliding towards Miami when Texas A&M's look like the more competent, you know, at least not necessarily more competent football team, but the team who has made the most improvements from last year's finish to where they are this year. So um, That could also just be late money coming in on the home field advantage. Yeah, so, that's true. I mean, what what happened to Tyler Van Dyke last year? Because two years ago, Tyler Van Dyke finished the year to, to the point where he was getting NFL like draft conversations. And then last year was just a total fart fest. I'm not going to lie. The quarterback position since, like, Derek King, like, since he had that ACL injury, yeah. it's all a blur for me of, like, Miami, who played a quarterback. Like, ever since then, it's just kind of like a fever dream. Like, I, can, I can't even recall anything about that. I completely forgot the name Derek King until you said that. I yeah. think that's how irrelevant Miami offense has been lately. Mm-hmm. So... Because he played there, what, one year in 2021? He played two years because he played in the bowl game towards ACL, and yep. then he elected to come back another year. He's from and Houston, was supposed right? to be a big deal because mm-hmm. he was one of the very first NIL deals that was ever signed. Yeah. Remember, he signed with that uh, with that uh, Bitcoin company or oh, whatever. yeah. He signed with that. That's uh, right. That He's company from doing, Houston what's that transfer, right? Non-fungible tokens? I can't NF- remember. NFTs. NFTs. It was also part of yeah. that like, first big quarterback transfer class when you had like Jamie Newman was in there, uh-huh. Derek King was in there. There was a lot of guys moving around. I'm looking at this, uh, this depth chart over on our lads. Y'all were, the Miami was not a very good football team last year, and they've made a bunch of changes. They've got two inside linebacker transfers that came in this year. They had to transfer a corner in. They brought in – Two offense or three offensive linemen, um, and transferred a tight end in as well. They're starting a freshman at right tackle. There's a lot, a lot of changes at Miami. Now they do have two of the better safeties in college football, um, in Cam Kitchens and our guy uh, uh, Williams, James Williams. Remember that guy, mm-hmm. big Georgia recruit. Yep. Um, two of the better safeties in college football, but I, I do think Texas A&M's got a little bit too much power, firepower in this football game. I'll take A&M as well. Now, going into week one, this football game looked good on the schedule, and it looked like it would be more highly contested than the week one's football game that ended up being an absolute thriller. And that's Nebraska at Colorado. I think going into week zero, or, you know, the beginning of the season, this is the one we kind of looked at. We thought, hey, TCU going to kind of handle Colorado, and then we'll see what the real litmus test is. Can, uh, you know, Deion Sanders and Colorado beat Nebraska. That will be the good even matchup. 
They go out and beat TCU, and now they're going to be heavily favored, I would imagine, in this football game. Maybe not heavily favored, but at home, first home game for Dion. you know that place is going to be nuts. What do you guys think about this football game? I saw something yesterday that said 88% of the money put on this game has been put on Colorado. That scares me. Everybody's going on. That's, mm. That kind of scares me, too. But scares me. Mm, I don't know, man. What we saw from Colorado and based on what we saw from Nebraska in week one, and it's at Colorado. Like, that's the thing, too, is, like, that Boulder crowd is going to be so juiced up for this game after seeing mm -hmm. what happened last week. And they kind of got – they got Uncle Mo with them right now. Got a lot of Uncle Mo with them. So, I, I'm into, I, I think I might go with the crowd and say Colorado. What do you got? I'm worried about Colorado because is, the question I have is, is Travis Hunter going to play that good every single game? Mm. Is Shadir Sanders going to throw for 500 yards every single game? If they are, absolutely. Colorado all the way. But it took all that for them to beat TCU by three. A TCU team that we don't think is very good. So I'm going to lean Nebraska on this. I also think Colorado's going to come in riding very high. And it's gonna, I think it's going to catch him. So I'll go Nebraska. Bro, Shadur had the GOAT, though, texting him, telling him. What was it that he said? He said something like – he said something – it was basically like, don't let your success um, fulfill you. Like, Tom Brady him. texted him? Yeah, Tom Brady texted him after the game. Yeah, you know so. why that is, right? Uh, no. You know what the tie is? Mm -mm. It's, pretty, it's pretty blatant. It's the Under Armour tie. Tom Brady's the face of Under Armour football. Deion Sanders is the other face of Under Armour football. Yeah. It's why when, when uh, Harson got fired, I thought there was a legitimate chance that they might go hire Deion because they are an Under Armour school. And I know that that doesn't matter much to most people watching this except for the fact that last year Nike paid, paid, Nike gave, three and a half million dollars to be associated with the University of Georgia. Under Armour pays to be associated with the University of Auburn or Auburn University, right? These things are contracts, all right? And the only way we can enhance those, one of the ways we can enhance those is put another brand name in there. And like Dion and Under Armour have been tied since his days of coaching Texas high school football. They're always tied. Um, one thing, and I, I don't know who, I, I thought there was a good point made in one of the shows that I was listening to this week about how um, TCU felt like they kind of abandoned the run against mm -hmm. Colorado, felt like they had to kind of score with them. I don't believe Matt Rule will ever do that. Matt Rule is a very, very smart football coach offensively. He's always going to have a very, very balanced attack. If you remember him dating back to his days at Baylor, I mean, they were a 225-225 football team. They'd throw for 225, rush for 225, put 450 up on you, score 45 points, and it'd be over with. Um, that's what they were at Baylor. That's what they're attempting to be at Nebraska. Um, I thought they looked big. I thought they looked physical against Minnesota. Mm -hmm. um, I just didn't think they had quarterback play, and that scares me. But here's what you got. You got a football team in Nebraska that's big, physical, and tough, going to play an odd front defense, which they just got a chance to see, okay? So it's not going to shock uh, Colorado. They just got done facing a defense in TCU that looks relatively similar to that in Nebraska. So there's a lot of reasons to think Colorado might be comfortable in this football game. The line movement is very, very interesting as well. This game opened as uh, Nebraska being nearly an eight-point favorite. Colorado is going to close as an almost a four-point favorite. So that's a lot what you're talking about, all that money coming in on Vegas. When popular money starts swinging one way, I tend to go the other, um, but I'm not buying it this time. I'm going to jump in with the fan base. I'm going I'm to call it Colorado uh, wins this by a close one. Here's why. They're a very vibey football team, and it's a vibey sport. Okay, how, how well can you get your football players up for each individual matchup? You obviously knew they were going to be hyped week one, okay, season one, game one. But now, guess what? You get in a little more foos. You get a little more fake juice with that first home game, man. That first home game, that buffalo going to be running out there on that field. And them Colorado fans, if they're not too wicked stoned, um, they're going to be out there ripping and roaring. So uh, I got them buffaloes, baby. I got them buffaloes. Isn't that how buffalo runs? Aren't they kind of like trotters? That. Something like that. They're not. They're, you know, they're kind of gallopers. <laughs> that was good. I like that. You like that? Yeah. Hey, them buffaloes, baby. I'm taking them buffaloes. Who you got on this uh, UT Bama game? I made my prediction last night. What do y'all got? Mm. So, I think this is all going to be – I mean, it's obviously going to be about if Alabama can run the football first off because that's what they're going to have to do. But also, can Texas stop the run and you're going to force Jalen Milrow to pass the ball, beat you with his arm. I think that's where this game is going to be won or lost for either team. 
And I like Alabama's chances of being able to continue their success around because they can be so different in it. Jalen Milrow adds a little wrinkle into that. That's another body that you have to stop in the run game. And also, it's in Tuscaloosa, so that matters as well. And then also, I know people will say it won't, it doesn't matter, but Nick Saban's record against his assistants, that's very, very, very hard to ignore for me. So I'm taking yeah. Alabama. You know, I was on Twitter yesterday, and – it's so funny how crazy and insane fan bases can be sometimes because I can't remember whether it was an Auburn fan, a Georgia fan, a Texas fan. I can't remember which fan it was. It wasn't an Alabama fan. But somebody went back and watched Jalen Milrow's start against Middle Tennessee State, and they counted how many times he moved off of his first read and threw the ball to his second read. It was like two times out of however many attempts he had. I think he had 20-some-odd attempts, threw for 198 yards, whatever it was. But – I think there is an opportunity that they might cause some, some havoc with him early in the football game. He has been prone to turn the football over when teams do that to him. I know Texas A&M had a, a good game for, for turning him over. What say you? I agree with both of what you're saying. The bottom line is it's Nick Saban in Tuscaloosa. He never loses these games unless he's playing transcendent quarterback like a Joe Burrow or a Cam Newton. And I just don't think Queen Ewers is that. How do you forget my guy? Shit, Johnny, Johnny football too. He's right there. I, I, I don't think Quinn Ewers is that. Yeah. I think it's going to be a close game, but I, I lean Bama on this. I would say Bama wins. I like it. So I picked Bama. You picked Bama. You picked Bama. Mm -hmm. Can't wait to be on a Texas YouTube page calling us a bunch of idiots. Yeah, dude, that's. It's all right, man. You do what you do, man. Stand get, in the paint. Yeah, you stand in the paint, you get dunked on. Like me when I called out Florida for being uh, stupid with their NIL money. But it turns out it wasn't their fault. Um, Notre Dame at NC State. I got Notre Dame in this football game. Don't know what the line is. Notre Dame's going to win it. I think they cover it. I did not love turning the tape on or turning the uh, film on at NC State and seeing them struggle in week one. Uh, granted, they were on the road, but they're playing a mid-major team on the road. And they were down, or at one point, it was like 20 to 10, midway through the fourth, just not great um, out there. So I'm, I'm going to go with Notre Dame. I believe in the Irish this year. I believe in Sam Hartman until they run into a real opponent. I think they're going to be a 10 and 2 football team this year. And you know, the reason why NC State's been successful over the past couple of years is because they have really good quarterback play. And that defensive line has been pretty stout as well. They do not have a really good quarterback anymore because Devin O'Leary is now at Kentucky. So that raises some concerns. And also, yeah, Notre Dame, Sam Hartman, they're rolling. So I'm rocking with Marcus Freeman and the Irish. Real quick. Notre Dame wins, but I think this is the trap game of the week. Yeah? Yeah. Upset, alert. Upset alert for Notre Dame. Road game. NC State, say what you will, seems like a pretty raucous environment every once in a while. Yep. They might have a 65,000-seat stadium, but it's pretty loud up there uh, with those guys. Auburn at Cal. Really, really interesting football game here. Two opposing styles uh, of football teams, and we already got some shit talk going on. Cal's running backs already gone out and said that, hey, don't be out here thinking that's the Auburn of old. That ain't no SEC football team. We can push these guys around. For that reason, I, I, I you know what? I think Hugh Freeze is going to be all right, okay? And especially now that you can legally cheat, I think he's definitely going to be all right. Oh, yeah. All right, so I think Hugh Freeze is a good football coach. Um, I think, you know, not going to make a stripper joke. Hugh Freeze, Auburn, on the road. You know, Got I might it. have leaned Cal's way until that came out, and yeah. I don't like Adam Field with a fire, so I'll I don't either. Auburn. I don't like telling 19, 20-year-old kids that they ain't shit because that's what you just did. Mm -hmm. You just told 19, 20-year-old kids they ain't shit, and guess what? They're going to show up and show you. I think Auburn's slightly more talented. I like Hugh Freeze as a coach. It is nice to see an SEC team travel out west for an away game. Those are refreshing, but I'll take Auburn as well. All right. There you go. Make sure you're hitting that thumbs-up button tonight, guys. Uh, make sure you're showing support, showing some love. All right. Did, we, did you hit Ole Miss in Tulane? Uh, didn't, but I'm taking Ole Miss in that football game. I yeah. like Ole Miss, too. All right, That's Ole Miss in that football sure. game. Uh, didn't even put it on the list, but, yeah, Ole Miss is at Tulane this week, and they're going to win that football game. All right, so a um, little bit of daunting news for college football, at least for the long term or the short term, happened today. Um, there it is. Show notes back. Oh, no, no, it's not. Here it is. You ready? You ready? You ready at home? Live television, baby. Live broadcasting. Gotta love it. Um, Caleb Williams is easily the most highly anticipated NFL draft prospect at the quarterback position since Andrew Luck. Okay, I don't think there's – he surpasses Trevor Lawrence, in my opinion. He surpasses 
uh, even a guy like uh, Cam Newton, he surpasses. A guy like Joe Burrow, he surpasses all of those guys. All of those number one overall picks the last several years, this dude is far more of a guaranteed lock to be great at a position in which 50% of first-round draft picks don't even reach their second contract with the team that drafted them. Okay, That's not even a bust. That's beyond a bust. That's like awful. Can't even extend you a fifth year on your contract. You have to get out of here. You are killing our roster. That's what that is. Half of them are like that. And this football player is the most known and most obvious that's going to be good that we've seen in a long time. So much so that the Arizona Cardinals are noticeably and obviously tanking. For the first time in my lifetime in the NFL, we have an NFL team that is being so belligerent with their tanking and so obvious with their tanking because of this guy, because this guy is available, because the NFL rewards bad football teams, okay? You wanna know how obvious they were about tanking? The day that they put Kyler Murray on the PUP list, which means he's gonna be inactive for at least the first four weeks of the season, most likely inactive for the entirety of the season considering he tore his ACL in week 14 last year. Do you know what they did the moment they put him on the pup list? They cut Colt McCoy. They're backup quarterback. That's what they did. So their starting quarterback goes into the, the, the PUP list, unable to perform list. Their backup quarterback is immediately cut. They have no intentions of winning football games this year. Do you know Zero. who they named as their starter? Yeah, Josh Dobbs. Mm -hmm. Okay, Josh Dobbs is going to start his, his second career football game this year. All right? The only other one was because Pittsburgh gave him a chance one year. And he um, started for a Tennessee too, didn't he? No. I think he did last year, didn't he? Did he? Josh he did. I think last year he got a start. Not the point. The point is Arizona obviously tanking. Very clearly tanking. Okay? Got rid of their veteran quarterback to trade for a guy who has never really started consistently in this league. It is a very obviously awful situation in Arizona right now, and it's purposefully awful. Again, because the NFL, like every other professional sports organization in this country, rewards awfulness for the sake of something called parity. Okay, they force the best players to go to the worst teams and hope that it makes everything even and fair and kumbaya. That's the whole purpose of it, okay? Except for, what if in this instance, tanking doesn't get you the best player? What if in this instance, tanking doesn't get you the best quarterback that we've seen in a decade, okay? What if the player, okay, what if that player, what if Caleb Williams has leverage in this situation? Or at least is threatening leverage? Because that's what we had today. We had Caleb Williams and his camp come out today and openly, and I mean openly, threaten the Arizona Cardinals because that's what this was. Caleb Williams was asked about the NFL and the NFL draft, and these were his comments. Quote, I've always been able to choose the team that I play on, and then everything's been scheduled for me. I've had a plan for treatment. I've had a plan for workouts. I've had a plan for eating. I've had a plan for nutrition and things like that. Vitamins, a lot of shrimp and chicken breast and fish. But now I'm going into the next part of my career, and it's weird. It's because it's so uncertain. You don't know anything. You can't control anything but, you, but how you act, right? That's the only thing you can control. And honestly, that's the weirdest part for me, the uncertainty. That quote, not that bad, right? That quote, nah, I'm a little bit nervous, got some anxiety about not having everything set in stone for me. First time in my life, things are a little bit uncertain. That comment, not a big fear. Not, not really. It's the next comment that came in this GQ article. By the way, GQ, not, not Sports Illustrated, not, not uh, CBSSports.com, not mm, mm, GQ out here. All right, but here, here was the interesting one, right? This was the one that came from Caleb's dad, Carl, who, by the way, is very, very outspoken, always has been about his son, even dating back to high school football. At, at one point during high school football, I think he basically said there was no point for my son to play college football or that my son was worth millions coming out of high school. So very, very, very opinionated about his son, always has been. And here was the quote. The funky thing about the NFL process is he'd almost be better off not being drafted than being drafted first. The system is completely backwards. The way the system is constructed, you go to the worst possible situation, the worst possible team, the worst organization in the league because of their desire for parity gets the first pick. The worst team in the league gets the first pick because of their desire for parity. Don't know why it was written the way it was. So it's the gift and the curse. All right, that was one part of the quote. And that's like, hey, the system kind of sucks. Uh, the system's rigged for you to go to the worst possible situation. We don't like the system. That was the first quote. 
But here's where it gets really, really scary. If you're an Arizona Cardinal organizational member, or if you're the head coach out there who's a goofball, or if you're an Arizona Cardinal fan, which I don't know if you guys exist, but if there are, here we go. This gets really, really scary. Quote, I mean, I've talked to Archie Manning. His career was shot because he went to a horrible organization. I've talked to Lincoln Riley and Kyler Murray. Uh, and Kyler Murray struggled because of where he was drafted. Baker Mer Mayfield struggled mightily because of where he was drafted. The organizations matter. He got two shots at the apple. So if there's not a good uh, situation, the truth is he can come back to school. Um, Kyler Murray sucks in the NFL because he don't study. Baker playing that Mayfield, war zone. Yeah, he'd be playing that war zone. Ky Baker Mayfield doesn't suck in the NFL because the organization failed him. He had the two best running backs in the league. He had an offensive line that graded out top 10 in the league every year he was in Cleveland. He didn't fail in Cleveland because he wasn't, a, uh, the organization around him wasn't good. He failed in Cleveland because his ass couldn't stay healthy. Is this sweet talk? Is this actual leverage? Because I'm here to tell you this ain't nothing. This ain't nothing compared to what the NFL can offer him. Y'all talk about NIL being able to level the playing field and create leverage. This ain't leverage. This is talking. This is out here noise. This is noise. The number one draft pick in the NFL signs a $27 million signing bonus the moment he is drafted. The moment he is drafted, he makes $28 million right now. He gets a $40 million contract that's spread out over four years with a fifth-year option, which, by the way, you are who, who we think you are. You're going to get the fifth-year option with whoever drafts you. Okay? $40 million. I see a lot of, a lot of talk about NIL level in the playing field. It hasn't. Shut up. No, it hasn't. <laughs> you know what Caleb Williams is making right now in NIL? The best estimation that we can find on him right now. $2.8 million. Beats ain't stroking no $15 million check to a college kid to stay in college. You know what they'll do? They'll give him $250,000 the moment he's an NFL player. It don't make no sense. There is no leverage. There is none. Zero. You want to come back to college, that's fine. Say you want to come back to college. But don't tell me that we can pay you what the NFL is going to pay you because we can't. There's just no way. There's no way possible. Okay, so this is sweet. That's what this is. This is sugar sweet. This is a quick sugar rush sweet. But this shit ain't real. This can't be real. This is cap, as the kids say, ain't it? Fugazi. Yeah, if, if it's all about a money standpoint, then it totally is cap. But here's my thing, too. What does he think staying another year in college is going to do? I mean, you're complaining about how your son is going to go to the worst organization in this year's draft. You stay another year in college and you remain as good as you are and your draft stock remains the same like he thinks it is going to, you're going to the worst team in the draft. Like Again. nothing changes. Yeah. yeah the yeah. only thing you're doing is risking more. And by the way, who's to say it won't be Arizona being doubly as worse next year? Yeah. It's also like he's going to go to the draft this year. There's no doubt about that. I think even if you say I'm not playing for the Arizona Cardinals, no matter what I do, just pull an Eli Manning. Mm -hmm. Just be Eli Manning and say, I'm not signing with them. Trade me right now. That's that's yeah. literally all you have to do. You're not take your take your twenty eight million dollars and make it ugly. Mm -hmm. Don't don't be out here talking about I'm going back to college. No, you're not. Yeah. No, you're not. Okay. If you want some leverage, tell Arizona you ain't playing in a Cardinals uniform and never show up and dare them to draft you. Okay, you know what they'll do? They'll draft Drake May. That's what they'll do. And they'll be happy. Drake May's a good football player. Okay, or they'll trade the number one overall pick and get a, a ransom, okay, which I don't think is going to happen at all. I think this is cap. I think this is a, a, a really, really great opportunity for us to laugh at some of the, the fashion decisions that our boy Caleb Williams is making. My God, show me one of these at a time. I, I, I'm going to have a delayed reaction over here because it's going to be popping up on the screen. Which one did you give me? The red dress thing. That's <laughs> dread, bro. bro. I don't know what you're talking about. Bro, he looks like a Buddhist monk. <laughs> exactly, bro. It's fire. What is man's doing? Stop. What Stop. has he got on his feet, bro? I don't know. He's got white tube socks on. They only from here. I can't really What's the thing he's wearing are around his like, neck? Are they heel tennis shoes? That's kind of what they look like from here. Man's got heelys on? It looks like it. Like, they, they got some heel to it in the back. Like, an extra two and Show a half inches. Show me some pit, too? I love that. Mm -hmm. We'll call that Buddhist monk Caleb. All right, Buddhist monk Caleb. Here's the next one. What else we got? Oh, hold on. Is this this one other? might be Big Bird, is Caleb. Is this the Nesh? Oh, this is Big Bird. This is with the nips out? Yeah, nips we out. Ni we got nips for free right here from our boy Caleb Williams. Um, this is interesting. This is the Caleb uh, This is the Caleb Williams inspired by Cam Newton touchdown celebration. 
mixed with a little Ray Lewis, mixed with some nip for free. He looks like a banana that's peeling itself. Mm. Quarter naked. Peeling banana, Caleb. I like that one. Mm -hmm. um, actually has some designer shoes on right there. Those are some Nikes. Again with the tube socks. Are tube socks back in? Low key. Are we wearing long socks again? Low key. I'm sticking with the no-shows because it's calf daddy for me. <laughs> all right, that's all we got. No, we got one more. You got the mesh, the 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 bra, the bra strap, don't you? Hold on. Did, did we did we forget that one? It's all good. Don't worry about it. Hey, weird weird style decisions right there from our boy Caleb Williams, but he, he just a little different. Just a little different. I like it. You like it? Be unique. Bro. You like the differences? Be your be yourself, bro. He ain't gonna have me out here looking like a peeled no. banana nips out. Yeah, but that's don't be hyping. You, you gotta be bro. yourself, bro. I guess. Um, can we stop with the GQ articles? Let's just stop. Um, have you seen this Billy Napier quote, guys? Now, I I, I was worried because I thought Billy Napier led the the press conference with this, but he did not. He was provoked. So, because we're provoked, we're gonna take this stance a little bit less hot on you, but we're gonna have it anyways. Um, check this out. Quote, I think we played 14 true freshmen in the game, and then we had eight transfers that were first-time players for the University of Georgia as well. 22 guys who have never played at, U uh, at UF played in the game last week, and I anticipate that number could increase this week. I am extremely, extremely conflicted on Billy Napier. I truly am, because every time I listen to him talk, I'm like, God, he knows what he's supposed to say. He knows what he's supposed to say. I just had a bad loss to Utah in which our football team lacked discipline and wasn't in lining up in the correct spots at bare minimum. What should I do? Well, Monday or Tuesday when we face the media, we should definitely tell them how young we are. We should also definitely tell them how many new guys we got here, right? 22. That's, that's like all of them. That's as many starters as we have on the field. We're so young. We're so new. Don't worry. We're going to get so, so much better. He knows he's young, so he tells the media how young he is. He knows the issues at hand. That's the weird thing about me with Billy Napier. That's the thing I can't figure out. I watch a dude, I listen to a dude, and I know that guy knows what is right and what is wrong. He knows how to coach a football team. He was able Thursday night after that game to rattle off every single reason as to why they lost. He also then rattled off every single reason as to why they will get better and how they will go about getting better. Okay, so you have a football coach who very, very clearly knows how to, what it takes rather, to win. He also knows where his program is short in those areas, but yet can't seem to fix them at all. Can't seem to fix these errors. We are uh, 18 football games, 16 football games into the Billy Napier experience. By now, things should be turning around. You shouldn't be running out there with two guys wearing number three on the punt team unit. It shouldn't happen, okay? <clears throat> you shouldn't be having pre-snap false start penalties. You shouldn't be having uh, five guys or, or uh, six guys not on the line of scrimmage penalties. You shouldn't be having procedural issues. You shouldn't be having uh, effort issues in the fourth quarter. You shouldn't be having uh, these types of minor detailed issues that you very clearly know how to correct. But why? Why, if you know how and what is wrong, and you know how to fix them, why is there a disconnect between this is what's wrong with my football team, this is how I get it done, and it being done? Where's the disconnect? I'll tell you where the disconnect is. It's the attention to details. It's the, it's the ability and the actions of being a CEO and not a labor foreman. He's continuing to be a labor foreman by continuing to call his own plays. All right, Nick Saban don't call his own place. Kirby Smart don't call his own place. Jim Harbaugh don't call his own place. Fucking Ryan Day don't call his own place. Deion Sanders doesn't call his own place. The most confident person in the on earth right now, Deion Sanders, doesn't call his own place. So why do you think you should be Billy Napier? Why do you think you can handle all of these other CEO aspects of making sure my, my program is on the right track, of making sure that the errors that we have are not only addressed but fixed? Why can you not do all those things? Well, because you're still stuck in your ways of calling plays. Okay, you know who calls plays still nowadays in college football? Steve Sarkeesian, Lane Kiffin, Lincoln Riley. All those guys win football games, but they're all short of one thing. Do you know what they're short of? Defense and discipline every year. Every year, Ole Miss gets beat because their defense fails them or their discipline lacks. 
All right, every year Lincoln Riley gets beat because his defense is not there or his physicality is not there or they're not prepared on one side of the football or their special teams fall through the crack. Steve Sarkeesian lost five one-score games last year. Do you know why? Because of all the little things required to win on a consistent level, we're slipping through the cracks. It's simple, man. Billy, you want to have all these things pick up on your football program? You want to make sure you're not missing these things? Stop calling plays, which, by the way, you weren't great at it against Utah. It wasn't all that great. You didn't call a bunch of dimes. And by the way, also, my sources at Florida tell me he's already made promises that he will eventually have someone calling plays for him. Right? That face right there, you just made. Me, when I hear that recruits are being led to believe that you will eventually have someone else calling plays for you and that you will have, by the time you actually make the switch, by the time you let go of these things, dude, you're going to be on such a hot seat and the water's going to be so goddamn hot that, by the way, in 2024, when you're already on the hot seat because you refuse to give up plays in 2023, you're going to have a freshman quarterback and the toughest goddamn schedule the SEC's seen in years. There's no way. There's no way the dude survives. No, there isn't. Gosh, that just blows I – because I, what I was literally about to say is – your plan probably already is that you're not going to be calling plays throughout your entire head coaching career. Eventually, you're going to hand it over to someone else. So when you said that, like, why are we not starting that now? In a year two where things are supposed to be on the uptick, where you could kind of be helping that out, you could be kind of everywhere a little bit on the football field in games. I just I, That doesn't make any sense to me. and I, uh, That <coughs> baffles me. We have a year three theory, right? If it doesn't happen by year three, it's just not going to happen. Um, and part of that year three theory is that year two, there should be drastic change, right? And he even talked about that. We're in, in his SEC media days, he opened up with, we are about year two under, uh, under this program. We are in year two. And what does year two look like? It looks like growth in all of these areas. He doesn't have growth in the areas that he is seeking growth in because he was not paying attention to them. He is still paying attention to the offensive side of the football and worried about calling plays and all that good stuff while also recruiting really, really well. They were recruiting really. That's what I'm talking about. He does so many things that good coaches do, but we're just missing little bitty things. Little bitty things are slipping through the cracks, and you're losing because of those little bitty things, and it's because you're hyper-focused on something you shouldn't be hyper-focused on. You should be macro-focused. As a, as a head football coach, you should be macro-focused. Everything should be included in your evaluation. Um, and again, by the time you get there, by the time you're your career-saving quarterback, which is what it's shaping out to be, what it looks like right now, is that the career of Billy Napier, or at least his regime at the time at Florida, is dependent upon DJ Lagway. And by the time the dude gets there, the damn water underneath your seat is already going to be boiling, and that seat's going to be starting to warm up. You got anything else, boys? The only thing I can even make a reason as to why he's doing this is because he knows he's going to go through a grinder in 2024. Yeah. And he's kind of biding time to where, well, he's got this new OC now. He's not calling plays anymore. Let's see how this goes. And if that goes bad, then you kind of have to wait and see where, okay, 2025 is the year it has to happen. Something has to be done. See, I, from an organizational structure standpoint, to me it makes far more sense to have everybody else around DJ Lagway completely comfortable and, and, and used to the coordinator that they have and then having Lagway catch up with that guy, all right, um, and, and the rest of the team. That way you're not as a team trying to grow and, and learn anew. And by the way, your insurance policy from a football coach's standpoint is DJ Lagway. Like the only reason he's not fired right now is because of the way he's recruiting. Not the only reason, it's because they can't afford the buyout. But the only reason that he has hope right now is because the 2024 signing class, and recruiting class, looks elite, okay? But if, you're not get, if you don't survive until that point, what the fuck is the point? It's going to be the next guy's roster, man. Hey, for Brooks Austin for Film oh, Guy Network, whoa, 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 Friday night, Mike. Friday nights, Mike. Friday nights, Mike. We are going to Colquitt County, Lee County. This Friday night, your boy's going to get absolutely no sleep this weekend. I'm looking forward to it. Hey, I love you guys. We'll see you next week. Uh, see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Yeah, it's only Wednesday, brother. Yeah.